0: It's good to see you all this fine morning. Uh, Praise the Lord. We serve a good God, don't we? Amen. That's right. That's right. So here we are. uh, We are in the third and final week of our series that we started entitled Relationship Status. Um, And so two weeks ago, uh, we talked about our relationship status with ourselves, And we learned that it's commanded that we are to love ourselves. You know, for many of you, you may may struggle with loving yourself. And that's that's a very real problem that many people have. But we have biblical reason for you to love yourself. One, you are part of God's very good creation. God said it himself that he built a very good creation and you are a part of it. On top of that, you are the masterpiece to God's very good creation creation you are the masterpiece of God's very good creation it doesn't end there though either you were created in God's image you were created in the image of God who created the heavens and the earth that is awesome and on top of that you are a child of God you are a child of God you have reason to love yourself you have reason today and tomorrow and the rest of your days to love yourself. And last week, uh, we, we talked about our relationship with others. Now, this is the second greatest commandment in the whole Bible is to love others. And we learned that we're not only just supposed to, you know, kind of love others, but we, we, were, we learned that we are commanded to unconditionally love others. We are to unconditionally love others, which that means there's no circumstance in which we are to not love someone. In other words, you are to love everybody at all times. That is the second greatest commandment in the whole Bible. And now this morning we're concluding our series, Relationship Status, and we're going to be talking about the single most important relationship in your life. And that relationship is your relationship with God. So we'll be talking about our relationship status with God this morning. And so to start off, uh, we'll go ahead to our theme passage. Does anybody remember which book our theme passage is found in? We've been using Genesis a lot, but Mark, yes, absolutely, Mark, the theme passage for our series, Mark. So if you go ahead and have your Bibles, you can open up to Mark chapter 12. And again, we we strongly encourage you all to bring your Bible so that you can open up into the Scripture yourself and see what God had to say himself, uh, what these inspired words are from him. And so we see in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34, and again, these Jews, they did not get along very well with Jesus. And these Jews, they're trying to stump Jesus with these tricky questions, but Jesus answered their questions at ease. And so another scribe came along, and out of the sincerity of his heart, he had a question for Jesus. And we see that question in verse 28. It reads, And one of the scribes came up and heard them, disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, he answered wisely. He said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. So again, what we see here is this scribe, this Jew, is asking Jesus, what is the single most important commandment in the whole Bible? And I've said this again before, but there are 613 commandments in the Old Testament. And so this was no small question that the scribe was asking. The scribe was asking Jesus, out of all the six hundred and thirteen commandments, which is the single most important question. Now, if I didn't know Jesus' uh, response here, I would have anticipated Jesus to say something like, "Well, there's no single most important commandment. They're all important, and you got to follow them all." But here, Jesus explicitly answers the question of the scribe, and he says, "The most important commandment is here." O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. And he proceeded to give the second greatest commandment, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, as we talked about last week, uh, the, the word for love in verse 31 and talking about our love for others is the word agape, which is an unconditional love. Now, there's many other different kinds of love. There's phileo, which is a brotherly love. There's storge, which is a natural affection. Eros, which is an erotic love. And agape which is an unconditional love. And again, in verse 31, when it says, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's The word there is agape, which means we are to have an unconditional love for others. So when we see here in verse 29, or in verse 30, when uh, Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God. Which word is it? And you guessed it, it's agape. It's an unconditional love. Love. We are to love God unconditionally. There's no circumstance in the world in which we are not to love God. In every single circumstance in the world, we are to love God, which means at all times, at all times, we are to love God. That's what it looks like to unconditionally love God. And Jesus gives us a better, a better picture as to what it looks like to love unconditionally love God unconditionally he says you're to love God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength so what exactly does it look like to love God with all of our heart all of our soul all of our mind and all of our strength when we think about loving God with our heart that's having a personal relationship with God That is having an emotional connection with God. Jesus started a new trend in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, they had uh, an, an amount of respect for God and revere for him. And they didn't really view him as their father. But Jesus started a new trend in the New Testament where he said, pray like this. Our father in heaven. He taught the people to pray to God as if he is your father because he is your father. We can have that emotional connection with God as our heavenly father, that perfect father, that father that will never leave or abandon us. That's how we can view God as our heavenly father. We can have that emotional connection with God. That's what it looks like to love God with our heart. But Jesus didn't just say you're to love God with all your heart. He said you're to love God with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, ancient Greek mythology has really messed with people's uh, interpretations of what our soul is. And now, Greek mythology started uh, thoughts and ideas that our soul is an eternal thing and this eternal soul is dwelling in our bodies. But that's not the best biblical approach. Rather, our soul is a living being, it's, it's our whole being, it's who we are. We don't have a living soul, but we are. A living soul. There's a careful distinction there. We we don't have a living soul, but we are a living soul. It's who we are. It's our soul. It's our whole being. Instead of splitting a person into two or three parts like ancient Greek mythologies, a more biblical approach is seeing ourselves as a unified being or a unified soul. So when Jesus says to love God with all of your soul, he's saying you got to love God with all that you are. With all that you are, you have to unconditionally love God. With every part of who we are, we are to love God. You are to offer your entire being to God as a love offering. That's what it looks like to love God with our whole soul. I think that pretty much uh, paints the whole picture. I think Jesus could have just said, love God with all your soul. And I think that that would describe it sufficiently enough but jesus he wanted to make sure they really got the point that you got to love god with all your heart you got to love god with all your soul but on top of that you also have to love god with all of your mind we are to love god with our thoughts used to be constantly on our mind we are to be digging into his scripture, digging into his word, and learning more and more about him on a daily basis. We need to be loving God with our mind, with our thoughts. He needs to be constantly be on our mind. We need to have those loving thoughts towards our God. That's what it looks like to love God with all of our mind. But Jesus didn't just stop at loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Jesus said you're to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Here, when Jesus is talking about loving God with all your strength, uh, we, we can kind of view that as loving God with our actions, loving God with what we do. He's not saying when you're, when you're in that last rep of the bench press, that's when you need to love God with all your strength. No, he, he's more referring to uh, you need to love God with, with what you do, with your actions, with your physical stuff. So, we're not only to love God with our inner being, but we're to love God on the outside. We're to love God through our actions, through what we do. We, people should be able to see that we love God by what we do, by our actions. And so we need to love him through what we do. And now Jesus also didn't just say that you're to love God with part of your soul, part of your mind, part of your strength, and part of your soul. Jesus said that you are to love God with all that you are. You are to unconditionally love God with all that you are In all that you have. And now, again, we have to remember the context of what Jesus is talking about here. Jesus is answering the question to the scribe which is the most important commandment out of all the 613 commandments? Which is the single most important? And Jesus responds with this. Now, Jesus didn't just make this commandment up. He he quoted this strictly from the Old Testament. And we can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's one of the first five books, one of the five books of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 4 through 9. And here Jesus quotes it directly from this passage, and we'll see that here in a second. So Moses is writing, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house, and on your gates. So here this passage is known as the Shema. Say it with me, the Shema. Very good. That's that's a Hebrew word for hear or listen. And it's known as the Shema because we read in verse four that it starts off as, hear, O Israel, or listen, O Israel. What I'm about to say is super important. Listen up, guys. Hear this. That the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now this is the single most important passage for the Jews. They put this passage on their door po- on their doorpost, and on the gates of their house, they put it on their arms and their foreheads, and actually, uh, when I lived in Georgia at the Bible College, we actually uh, put this passage on our doorpost, I believe it was Josiah Cain who put it up, and uh, the Jews, there were to put their hand on it before they entered the house, and that's, that's the Shema, this is the single most important passage for them. Moses taught them, you're to, you're to teach these words diligently to your children, you're supposed to talk about these words at home. You're to talk about these words when you go out for a walk. You're to talk about these words when you lie down. And you're to talk about these words when you rise. In other words, you're to talk about these words and pretty much whatever you're doing. These words should constantly be on your mind, constantly be on your heart, and constantly be on the on your tongue. The Jews recited this passage every morning and every night. This passage was so crucial. For the Jews. This is the single most important passage in the Old Testament for the Jews. If you're someone who likes to underline your Bible, underline this passage. This is an important passage. This is the Shema. People talk about it all the time outside in Christian circles. The Shema. It's so important. Now, and it starts off by saying hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now this understanding of God being one was so crucial to the Jews. This is what we're talking about in the uh, Tuesday morning ladies Bible study. Uh, we're talking about uh, the doctrine of God being one. And so if you're a lady, uh, come out and join us on Tuesday mornings at 10 o'clock and you can join us. And I don't even think they're super strict about the lady thing because they invited me. Um, and I don't think they're trying to say anything about me. You're not trying to say anything about me, are you, Mary? No, absolutely not. All right. So come and join us Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. And, and we're, we're talking about God being one. Such an important doctrine. The most important doctrine for the Jews that God is one. They, Jews nowadays, they don't get along with Christians a lot of times because they can't get over the fact that so many Christians are teaching that God is three and one. They think that is like the biggest heresy in the world. They, they can't see how that is physically possible, but the Jews, they were huge on this, that God is one. So that's part of the Shema, but the second part of the Shema that we see is Moses instructing the Israelites that you are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. We are to love God and God alone with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our might. God Deserves it. This passage was so crucial for the Jews, and we see that it's supposed to be so crucial for us because Jesus commanded us that it's the single most important commandment. If you if you don't do anything else, if you don't do anything else, if you just love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength, you're gonna be on the right path. You're gonna be doing good things if you do nothing else but to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. You are on the right track. You are doing good things. So here we've established this morning that loving God is the single most important commandment in the whole Bible. Those are the words of Jesus himself. He says the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. And so the question then becomes, well, how how do we love God? How, how do we develop that relationship with God? How are, how are we to initiate that relationship with God? And we see a, a tidbit in James. Uh, so you, if you have your Bibles, you can uh, open up to James near, near the end of your Bible. We'll just be reading one verse. So you can just look it up on the, the screen. Um, I forget what that was called, screen. I guess it's, it's a wall. Uh, you can look up at the wall and see the verse. James chapter 4, uh, verses 8. James states, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Here James clearly states that if you want to draw near to God, then he will draw near to you. To you, The only thing stopping you from having a relationship with God is you. The only thing stopping you from having a relationship with God is you. Because James states that if you draw near to God, if you, do, if you seek to develop that relationship with God, then God will draw near to you. You're the only thing stopping you from having a relationship with God. And Now many of you may think, God doesn't want a relationship with me. I'm, I'm this awful person. I do this, this, and this. And no way God wants a relationship with me. That is, that is so false. God wants you as you are. Come as you are. God wants you as you are. God sent his son to die on the cross for our sins while we were still yet sinners. Romans 5.8 states that Christ died for our sins while we were still sinners. God wanted to have a relationship with us while we were were still dead in our sins. God wants a relationship with you. And the only thing stopping you from having a relationship with God is you. You need to initiate that relationship with God. You need to develop that relationship with God. You need to draw near to God because if you draw near to God, then God will draw near to you. So now I looked up at a number of different sources online and how to develop a relationship with someone. And all these fancy intellectual people, they all had their own uh, unique ideas and how you best develop a relationship with someone else. But there was one similarity, whether it was explicit or implicit. There's one similarity between all these sources. And a similarity that all these sources had when talking about how to develop a relationship with others they all went along the lines in saying that you have to spend time with those that you want to develop a relationship with us. That's not rocket science. We, we, can, we all understand that's common sense. If we want to develop a relationship with someone, then we have to spend time with them. And God is no different God is no different. If you want to have a relationship with God, you need to be spending time with God on a daily basis. You need to be spending time with God on a daily basis if you want to have that relationship with God, and which you should because it's the most important commandment. And besides, who wouldn't want a relationship with the God who created all of this? I do. I want a relationship with the God who created all this. That gives me power. That gives me worth. And we're commanded to have that relationship. And so you need to be spending time with God. Now there are two main ways in which we can spend time with God. Pretty simple. Reading your Bible and praying. Those are two main ways in which we can spend time with God. You have to be praying and you have to be reading Your Bible. Now, this is something that I have struggled with in the past. Uh, When I was uh, at the Bible college, uh, as you can imagine, I did a lot of studying. Uh, I spent three years seeping through God's word and seeking through what people interpreted God's word to mean. I spent three full years seeing what God's word was supposed to mean. That was practically my full-time job for three years was to see what God's word says to us today. And so one would just kind of expect uh, for, for me to have a pretty consistent devotional life and a pretty consistent prayer life. Uh, But it's with uh, much embarrassment uh, that I admit to you all that during my time uh, at the Bible College, I I really didn't have that personal relationship with God. And I I hated that about myself. I hated that I didn't make the time to spend personal time with God. That I didn't make time to have personal devotions and personal relationship with God and personal prayer. I hated that about myself. One of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing about being a pastor, is the time that I have to work on my personal relationship with God. The time that I have to spend in devotions and reading his word on a personal level. And the time that I have to be praying to God Praying to God for all of you, for myself, for my family. Just praying to God, having that relationship with God. That's one of my favorite parts of being a pastor. And I feel so good. I feel so good when I have a good relationship with God. It feels so good to be on that personal level with God. That you talk to him on a daily basis. You read what he has to say on a daily basis. This is something that I admired greatly um, about my grandpa. He, uh, he had a phenomenal uh, relationship with God, a personal relationship with God. He would spend hours in prayer, and I admired him so much for that. I, I, I remember this just like it was yesterday. I remember him telling me once that, Kyle, I pray for you every day. Well, sometimes I fall asleep before I get to you. And I remember giving that kind of like awkward laugh, like, ha ha, Grandpa, what, uh, that's kind of funny. Are you kidding or not? I don't really know what you're trying to get at. But he says, Kyle, I pray for you every day. Well, sometimes I fall asleep before I get to you. And it wasn't until after uh, my grandpa fell asleep in death that I was uh, going through his office and um, he had a list of people that he prayed for. And this list of people was hundreds long. I think it was was close to 500 people that he prayed for. And I just searched through the list, and I saw my name on his list. I saw my name on the list of hundreds of different people that my grandpa prayed for. My grandpa had an outstanding personal relationship with God, and I admired him. For that. that. was one of my big, he was he's probably my biggest role model in my life. And that was one of my biggest aspirations about him was that he had such a great personal relationship with God. He could spend hours in prayer to God. I would love to have a prayer life like that To say that I could spend hours in prayer, and, and I'm growing. I, I'm, not, I'm not where I want to be right now. I'm growing. I, I'm coming to God as I am, but God loves me so much that he doesn't want me to stay where I am. He wants me to continue to grow, and, and I'm growing, and I'm getting there. But that is something that I just admired uh, my grandpa so much for was his personal prayer life, and he could spend hours, and that was such a great thing, an example for all of us that we can uh, seek after. But it's It's hard. It's hard. In our culture, it's hard to spend time with God. It's getting harder and harder day by day to make time to spend time with God. Our culture, our society offers us so much to do. People are being forced and expected to work more. People, people are being forced to work crazy hours nowadays Kids, they're busy with school and sports and extracurricular activities. These Extracurricular activities are taking over, and they they have to do so much stuff in their lives, their culture, our society. They offer them so much to do. There's so much that our society, our culture offers us that if we don't make a deliberate effort to seek that relationship with God, it's not going to happen. It's getting harder and harder Day by day in our culture, our culture is such a busy culture. You gotta be doing this, this, and this. We're on such a tight timeline. If we don't make a deliberate effort to seek a relationship with God, it's not gonna happen. Francis Chan stated We never grow closer to God when we just live life. It takes deliberate pursuit and attentiveness. He is spot on. If we just live life as the ordinary American citizen, we are not going to grow closer to God. We are not going to develop that relationship with God. It takes a deliberate effort to have a relationship with God. It takes a deliberate effort to draw closer to God. Now picture your daily schedule. Picture your daily schedule for a minute here. I bet you your your daily schedule looks something like this, where you wake up in the morning, uh, you get ready for your day, maybe you shower, brush your teeth, maybe eat some breakfast, and you go off on to work or school and you spend a long day there, you're drained. Uh, The work and school, they ask a lot out of you. You go home, you relax, you spend time with your family, and maybe you eat dinner with the family, Uh, then maybe you kick back, relax, watch some TV, then you start to Uh, Calm down and head to bed. I imagine that's somewhat what your daily schedule looks like. It's a loaded schedule. There's so much for us to do each and every day. Our culture, our society offers and expects so much from us. So if we don't make that deliberate effort to love God with all that we have and all that we are, if we don't seek to develop that relationship with God, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And that is such a huge danger for the American church. Is that our culture offers us so much, and this culture, this society is choking Jesus, it's choking God out of our lives. That's such a huge danger that each and every one of us has to realize. We have to notice that in our lives. We have to make a deliberate effort to make that relationship with God. And it is so important. It is the single greatest important commandment in all the Bible. To love God with all that you are and all that you have. So you need to develop that relationship with God, it's so crucial. And again, it's not going to come naturally. It's, it's not natural to talk to a, a God who you can't see physically. It's not natural to talk to someone that you can't see or you can't hear often or you can't touch or you, you can't experience with your five senses. It's so hard and it's not natural. But you need to be making that deliberate effort day by day to draw closer to God. And so I want you to reflect on your relationship status with God. I want you to reflect on your daily schedule. Is it a schedule that says, I am loving God with all that I am and all that I have? And some of you, as you think about it, you may be going, I'm doing a good job and pat yourself on the back if that's you, because some of you, I'm sure you are doing a great job. You are making a deliberate effort to seek after God and to draw closer to God. And you're awesome. You're, you're our examples. You're our role models. But for many of us, we may look at our schedules and we may realize that we aren't really loving God with all that we are and all that we have. We aren't initiating that relationship with God we aren't drawing closer to God we aren't growing closer to God we aren't making that deliberate effort to draw closer to God and that may that may be many of us this morning but the good news is is that while you're still breathing there's still time to turn it around i look at each and every one of you and i think you're all still breathing which is good you all you all Still, have time to turn it around. If you look at your schedule and you're not pleased with your schedule, you're not pleased with how much time you're giving God because you need to spend time with those that you develop a relationship with. And if that's the most important commandment in all the Bible, you better bet you you better put God in your schedule, in your daily schedule. And so, I challenge you this week. This is my challenge to you all this week that you take alone time. Each and every day, just one week. I'm just asking one week out of you to spend every day this week in prayer with God. And I'll take it easy on you guys. I say take five out of the seven days of this upcoming week and spend time reading your Bible. I want you guys each and every day this week to spend time with God in prayer because you need to spend time with him if you want to develop that relationship with him. So it's my challenge to you for every day this one week to spend time with God in prayer. And I bet you if you do that, you will feel so good about yourself. You will feel so good. It feels so good to spend time with God in prayer. The second part of the challenge I challenge you all to spend five days this week, five days, reading just at least one chapter a day. Just at least one chapter of God's Word, of the Bible here. Just one chapter in five days. I'll give you two days off, but ideally seven days. But I challenge you five days of this upcoming week to spend time with God and reading His Word. That's what we're here for as a church. That's our purpose. We're here to grow closer together to God. That's our purpose here as a church, to grow closer to God. And if you need help with that, reach out to us because that is our goal. That is our vision in our life, our vision as a church. And as, as it is the single most important commandment in the whole Bible is to love God with all that you are and all That you have. Let's pray. Father God, uh, I just thank you uh, so much for being uh, a loving father. A father who cares about each and every one of us. And each of our individual needs. Father, you are such an awesome, great, good God and father. Father. And please, God, let us not take for granted the huge blessing that we have in being able to read your words and being able to communicate with you on a one-to-one basis. And I just pray, it's my prayer this morning, that we can each draw closer to you this upcoming week. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.